lovely sound. I could hit the other, but instead I'm going to hit these both together. Can you feel the field that's being created? And what this is doing as we're listening is it actually is balancing the left and right hemispheres of the brain. And at this interval, this is called a Pythagorean fit that was said to have been discovered by the ancient Greek philosopher Pythagoras. And um, these are actually the first two separate and different harmonics that are created when a string is plucked or whatnot. But Pythagoras, who existed in the 6th century BC Greece, is not only the father of geometry, it's also the father of music theory and the understanding how different sort of notes can work with each other. And he's said to have been one of the first people who basically worked and utilized sound as a healing modality. But here's this. Pythagoras was said to have gotten his knowledge from ancient Egypt and brought it back to Greece. The seven chakras, swirling vortices of energy, positioned throughout our body from the base of the spine to the crown of the head. For thousands of years, this ancient wisdom has been passed on from master to disciple. What are the functions of these energy centers? And could these chakras help you unlock your destiny and find your true purpose? Welcome to My 7 Chakras. And now, your host, Aditya Jai Kumar. What's up, Action Tribe? AJ here, host and founder of My 7 Chakras, my7chakras.com, the place where we help you calm your mind, relax your nervous system, and experience a deep state of bliss. In today's episode, we're going to talk about the transformative and healing power of sound, and we're going to explore various aspects and elements of how this ancient frequency of sound that we hear about in ancient texts, even in modern science and modern world, how sound influences every aspect of our life, especially when it comes to healing as well as spirituality, how we relate to the universe and the rest of the world around us. And to educate us and inspire us and motivate us, we're going to have our special guest for today, none other than Jonathan Goldman who is an international authority and pioneer in the field of sound healing. He is author of numerous books, including The Seven Secrets of Sound Healing, and the best-selling The Humming Effect, co-authored which is with his wife, Andy Goldman, which won the 2018 Gold Visionary Award for Health Books. His classics, Healing Sound, has just had a special 30th anniversary edition released. Jonathan is the director of the Sound Healers Association and President of Spirit Music Inc. in Boulder, Colorado. A Grammy nominee, he created over 25 best-selling award-winning recordings, including Chakra Chants, The Divine Name with Greg Braddon, 
Greg Braden, uh, Frequencies, Sounds of Healing, and Reiki Chance, Jonathan has been named as one of Watkins Mind, Body, Spirit magazine's 100 Most Spiritually Influential Living People. So Action Tribe, if you wanted to learn about sound, what is it really beyond the spelling sound what really is it and what are the implications for your life and make sure that you tune in till the very end so jonathan welcome to our show my seven chakras aditya what a blessing and pleasure it is to be sharing with you and your audience thank you for inviting me likewise and you know like i said initially when i reached out to you i go a lot based on my intuition, as you might agree. What we talk is just maybe about 5 to 10%, but everything is vibration. And the deeper you go down this rabbit hole of learning to sense into intuition, sometimes you receive, you know, waves of messages. And for me, I could sense there was a message that was coming from you. Maybe you were projecting some sound waves. And I sensed that I needed to make this connection or at least see if there was an opportunity for having you on our show. And of course, I want to learn a lot about your journey, but maybe if we could start with this very fundamental question, what is sound? Sound? Great question. I don't think anybody ever asked that to me. My operations manager today was basically sent me a um, Wikipedia definition and write up on frequency but the question of what is sound is very different uh sound is everything everything is in a state of vibration our ancient mystics and our modern physicists are in agreement everything is in a state of vibration from the electrons moving around the nucleus of an atom to planets and distant galaxies moving around their suns. They're all in motion. They're all potentially creating a vibration. And indeed, whether we are dealing with the Old Testament, in the beginning was the Word, and the Lord said, let there be light, or the, you know, the Vedas, etc. All these different traditions talk about the original sound of creation the universe being, if you like, created through sound. In the beginning was Brahman, with whom was the word, and the word was Brahman. All these different traditions. In the Hopi tradition, you have Spider-Woman singing the song of creation over the inanimate uh, objects and giving them life. In Papa Vu, from the Mayan tradition, the first real men and women are given life solely through the power of the word. In the ancient Egyptian tradition, the god Thoth would think of an object, speak its name, and bring it into being. So all over the place, you have these, in these different mystic traditions, this concept of sound creating form, creating life. And then, of course, once again, from a quantum physics level, not only do we have the Big Bang, but one of the more popular theories of quantum physics is... Uh, you know, basically string theory that the universe is a bunch of different vibrating strings that are harmonically related, that are vibrating at different rates, and they, you know, cause uh, the relationship of all things. So sound is everything. We are sound, and we convey sound. This is why once I got into 
and understanding of sound on this level, I realized there was virtually no aspect of being that couldn't be understood through working with sound. Mm. Action Tribe, which is the name of our listeners, but Action Tribe, think about the word sound. When you think about sound, what comes to your mind? Because there was a time, and by the way, Jonathan, my I started my career in sound, so I used to work at Bose oh, Corporation, great. you know, the audio or, brand. Once a Bose headphones, and, it's like, no, I'm kidding, right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And so when I used to think about sound initially, what used to come to my mind is the audible sound. But sound is such a broad spectrum, right? all encapsulating, and it goes way beyond, you know, the sound that we can hear as human beings. Sound is much more than just the narrow audible spectrum that humans can hear. Is that correct? Well, I just want to acknowledge something. I don't know if you're aware of this. You may be, you may not be. It's a, it's a little known put together. But uh, your show is called My Seven Chakras. And the Sanskrit word for the heart chakra Anahata, yes, which is also mm -hmm. a term for unstruck sound. But uh, there is, yeah. if you like, this aspect of sound being in the audible range, which is great. But then there's also aspects of sound and being in not only the inaudible range, but as being a vehicle that we can literally work with to, you know, tune and tap into higher levels of consciousness. We can certainly talk about this, but for the moment, I just want to immediately just suggest that there are two ways that sound affects us. The first is called psychoacoustics, and that is where the sound goes into our ear, into our brain, affecting our nervous system, our heart rate, our respiration, our brain waves. Very cool. So our voice, music, Anytime we listen to anything, that's going to be psychoacoustics. But the other way is called vibroacoustics. And that's where sound goes into our body, into our cells, affecting us on a DNA level. And this is real. It's been less investigated on many levels, but it's really, really true. And in fact, I'm going to give you a quote from the New York Times science section. February 8th, 1988. Sound shaped into dazzling tool can make, break, or rearrange molecular structure. So you're talking about an energy that can rearrange molecular structure. So if we can think of sound as being more than purely that which we receive through our ears, but actually that which is, if you like, encoded as an energetic form throughout the universe, it'll really expand our understanding of all things vibrational. I love that at the beginning you drew from various ancient sources, including the Bible. And I also would like to quote, like you pointed out, in the Bible it states somewhere, let there be light, but it also states, in the beginning was the word. So my question to you is, what came first, sound well, or light? And how are they related right. to each well, other? Well, here we go. Beautiful question. <laughs> and if you say, let there be light, what, what are the preceding words to that? And the Lord said, let there be light. Mm. So sound creating light. And in fact, I do a monthly sound satsang 
that is actually available. Uh, mm-hmm. Do it for free, and you can get it on uh, YouTube. And I do one. And the subject last month was the sound of light. And I basically was talking about actually my experience. One of the things that I talked about was my experience creating light through sound, which is a really interesting phenomenon. Mm. It's a little advanced for this particular moment in time and space, but sound, you know, I, right. I am under the belief that we're talking about frequencies. And one of the aspects of a frequency is, uh, is sound and that there's audible sound that goes from probably about what are called cycles per second or hertz and going somewhere probably around 16 of these cycles a second to around 16,000, although young children can hear upwards of 20,000. That's about our uh, hearing range. And then you get into frequencies that are millions of cycles a second. And that's the light bandwidth. And I'm just not in the belief system that sound and light are the same thing. I believe that sound can create light, but they are two separate energies so that you can encode different colors on different sounds. You're not locked into any specific color um, because this has to do with our consciousness. And I'm again jumping ahead because one of the really, really important aspects of sound is intentionality, consciousness. Mm -hmm. What are we encoding onto the sound? But let me give you a chance to ask a question because I jump ahead real quickly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, my question was, how did you discover sound? How did sound as uh, as something to study or as a therapeutic tool, you know, when did sound begin to fascinate you? Did you have some kind of mystical experience? Was there somebody in your family that was studying sound or uh, an aspect of sound that made you want to go down that route? How did I have start a radio here? show once a month, <laughs> and that's the first question I ask my guests: "Is how did you get here?" And that's a brilliant, right. you know, a brilliant <laughs> question. People don't ask me that often, so thank you for asking me. And right. I always loved music, and I, I can go into that. But rather than just, um, I'd like to tell you a story that was really my pre- predominant, the light of God st- uh, striking me. That, that powerful. And here it was. It's 1979. I am playing in a seaside bar in Cape Cod, Massachusetts. And I'm coming in from a break. I strap on my Stratocaster with the band. I start playing. All of a sudden, I look out at the audience and I realize that the ambiance in the bar was one of negativity and violence. Mm. And I realized that the alcohol and the other intoxicants that the people had been bobbing in was no doubt contributing this, but I also realized that the music that I was creating at that time was helping induce this ambiance. And I had been playing professionally mm. for about 15 years before that. I, and actually, I was in a pretty well-known band. It was after my degrees in college and filmmaking and stuff like that, because I love playing music. But I'd never had that aha concept. And I thought, gee, I wonder if music can be used to make people feel good. I just had that simple thought. Mm. And within a week, that 
thought shifted just about 10, 15 degrees. It became, I wonder if sound can be used to heal. And after mm. that, doors literally began to open and all these extraordinary events began to occur. Right. So in hindsight, when something like this happens, and I know that many of our listeners might be able to relate to something like that, where they were doing something and then they had an opportunity, but they were observing something and then an epiphany that strikes and then, it, you know, that leads them down a certain path. Do you feel that that was just your conscious mind witnessing that experience and then relating? Or was there something or someone that dropped a download <laughs> into your mind for you to well, have that realization it, at that listen, point? Listen, just as a thing, and I, I don't think I've ever actually shared this story before. But at yeah. the time that that happened, I had a, uh, an album with this group that was the pick hit of the week in Billboard magazine, which was the world's mm -hmm. largest music magazine. And I took all the albums and I basically disposed of them, pulled it off the market and said, this thing just energetically, vibrationally is not good. Doesn't mean well, I love rock mm -hmm. and roll, you know, love Jimi Hendrix. I love mm -hmm. the Beatles and whatnot. <laughs> but, you know, I, the music that I was creating at the time, shall we say, uh, just wasn't resonating at the, at the correct frequency. So it was a literally a change of life phenomena for me. I said, OK, I'm going to give up playing rock and roll and becoming a rock star or whatever that is and dedicate myself to finding out about how sound and music can be used to heal. And at the time, there were probably a half a dozen different books and about that mm -hmm. many albums that basically focused on using sound for healing. And one of the things that occurred, mm -hmm. once again, this was all truly being guided. Uh, mm -hmm. A week after I had this experience, someone hands me a, uh, a workshop advertisement on healing with sound and music. And I went to it. And it was taught by a woman who became the godmother of my son and is a dear, dear. In fact, the uh, book Seven Secrets of Sound Healing is dedicated to her. She's passed on. Her name was Sarah Benson. We call her the godmother of uh, sound healing. But uh, she had a group and there were about 30 people. And as part of this experience, I was placed in the center of this group and I was holding a quartz crystal and people began to chant mm. my name. And they chanted my name and I closed my eyes and I went out of my body. I was taken to this amethyst pyramid in the woods. I was a real out of body experience. When I came back, I was holding the crystal. I said, well, I got to find out something about this whole thing. Mm. And, um, I had a very deep resonance with Sarah Sarua Benson, who was doing this. And she said, you know, I'm going to a, um, a potluck dinner tonight of these other people who are interested in using sound for healing. Would you like to come? I said, mm -hmm. sure. So I went to this meeting and I have to tell you, it was, it was crazy. 
the person who is the one of the um, the person who's guest speaking there was a man by the name of Dr. Right. Randall McClellan, who wrote an incredibly mm. important book called The Healing Forces of Music. And he taught the only mm. college level course on healing with sound in the United States at the time. And it was brilliant. His book is still brilliant and wonderful. And I'm at this meeting. and I'm just I got to tell you, I, I was floored. I said, well, this is too much. This right. is too much. When's the next meeting? They said, there is no next meeting. We just don't have it together to basically uh, continue uh, doing a group like this. Here I was. I knew nothing. I said, I'll do it. I'll do it. And so I basically took over this small group of people. And the first thing I realized, realized that it needed was a name. Because in a lot of sacred traditions, mm. if you name something, you empower it. So I called it the Sound Healers Association. And from there, it grew and grew. The membership grew to hundreds, even thousands of people. And at the time, I was in the um, Boston, Massachusetts area, and we would have monthly meetings in all these extraordinary doctors, spiritual masters, singers, musicians, healers would come and freely give of their time and energy to educate. And it became quite a, uh, quite a group indeed. And I also took my record company, which had been a new wave record company, and changed it to a new age record company. So it was one of the first. Oh. And the only thing I didn't have to change was the name of the company because it was called Spirit mm -hmm. Music. Right. So from there, I started getting this incredible education about how sound could be used to heal and transform. Just unbelievable. So once again, the great pioneers in this field, because I am stepping on the and standing on the shoulders of giants before me who are doing this. People who in the 1950s were using instrumentation to literally change vibrational rates and heal with sound and great, incredible, as this fellow, Randall McClellan did. And as I got this education, I said, well, this is really important. And I found there was Lesley University in Cambridge, Massachusetts that had a program where you could basically create your own field of study. And I did, I created one researching the uses of sound and music for healing. And that right. book became, if you like, the first level of uh, what ultimately then became healing sounds. Uh, so everything builds upon itself. And then we got, you know, the sound healers and, you know, spirit music. And then I began to ultimately teach and I've not stopped because it's, it's such a brilliant thing. As soon as people really begin to understand the power of sound, their lives are changed. Mm -hmm.
If you're a woman over 40 dealing with hot flashes, insomnia, brain fog, moodiness, or weight gain, you don't have to accept it as just another part of aging. The experts at Midi Health know all these symptoms can be connected to the hormonal changes of menopause. And Midi can help with safe, effective, FDA-approved solutions covered by insurance. 91% of Midi patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com. Mike Rowe here with a radical idea. If you want to see more companies make more things in this country, buy more things from more companies who make things in this country. I refer in this case to the incredible t-shirts, sweatshirts, blue jeans, and more made by my friends at American Giant. Everything American Giant makes is made in the United States. And right now, you can take 20% off your first order at American-Giant.com slash Mike. That's American-Giant.com slash Mike. That is amazing. And what I like about your story and the stories of many of the guests that I have on my show is that they relate to, I mean, they share stories from the maybe the 70s or the 80s or even the 90s, which is pre-internet. Because I think these days, right, it's so easy for somebody to partake in an experience, whether they see it on TikTok or Instagram or Facebook. And I'm sure just joining something online does not take that much of a commitment as opposed to reading a flyer and actually going to that place and, you know, surrounding yourself with individuals who are in the same, uh, you know, sphere of life or have the same goals and vision. So I'm glad that you did that because, you know, that led you to, you know, getting introduced to so many amazing people. My question is harmonics. I know this, the, the subtitle of your book is harmonics, the power right. of harmonics. What is harmonics and how is it different from the umbrella term of sound? Well, can I first, <laughs> that's a great question. Look, and it's yeah, such yeah, a yeah. complicated <laughs> question that I would first like to just deal with a couple of other things, including thank you for your understanding of um, the fact that back in the 80s, 70s, 80s, and 90s, people who were yeah. into sound, I mean, sound healing was like, Nobody knew what it was. Now sound has gotten very, very popular. I see on all these different platforms, become a certified sound healer $100 over a weekend. (laughs) And that's all great. But the question is, how do you find Mm -hmm. authenticity? Because there are a lot of people who are trying to teach something without any real experience or knowledge about it. And that's really, really important. You know, what are your experiences? What what sort of uh, types of things have you worked with? And, you know, now with more than 40 years, I've got a lot of stuff under my belt, including harmonics. But just just understanding, yes, indeed. um, One of the things I'm still learning about sound as a healing and self-transformative tool and I probably will be because I'd like to suggest that um, it takes, you know, you can have an aha experience in a moment. But to be able to continue and flourish and go deeper and really understand the aspects of anything takes, I don't like to say the word work, it takes play, it takes a whole lot of play mm-hmm. and love and passion to do something 
And also, you have to then also be able to drop your ego. Because one of the great extraordinary things about sound and music healing is that it gives you great power, particularly if you're a musician. And, you know, if you like, in all the different traditions, the musicians were also oftentimes the magicians. Mm, And, you know, they had great power. So if you are locked into power of aren't I great, which oftentimes happen when you get the adulation of an audience, that's that can be a challenging uh, situation in terms of really going on the correct, uh, shall we say, you know, path of consciousness and not misusing the power of sound. Because just because you can do something doesn't mean that it's the proper use of the thing. Does that make sense? Yeah, that definitely makes sense. And if you think about it, if you look around in society today, you have people that have a lot of power who happen to be musicians and rappers and singers. And for the people who are more attuned, they would realize that a lot of the sound that is being projected into the mainstream consciousness is not really supporting or not really serving the evolution of humans as well as children. Would you you say that? Uh, And I feel that if they were to, like in your case, you know, become more attuned with sending the right frequencies, whether it is the Schumann resonance, which we can get into later on, if they were more conscious and intentional in the type of energies they were projecting, then we can really shift as a civilization, as a species, as, as humanity, right? Would you say that? Because they've got so much power, but I feel that some of the music no is not really doing much and good. I think, Ra, yeah. before we explore the phenomena of harmonics, yeah. we should really yeah. explore what I just touched on very briefly before, the importance of intentionality. Okay, I'm going to first of all take you back. We're going to step into the time machine. And we're Mm -hmm. going to go back to a time when I am had just graduated from Lesley University, and I'm basically uh, correlating all this information that I've gotten on the uses of sound to resonate the chakras, on the uses of sound Mm -hmm. to resonate the organs. And I've got a pile of papers. If you can't see me, I got my hands about a foot apart because that those were different uh, pieces of paper that I had written because I had been studying this for really long and I'd gotten all this information from these doctors and spiritual masters, from these books and workshops that had gone, all these different things. And I was now going to put it all together. And I was going, I come from a family of doctors, so I had a pretty good left brain at mm-hmm. that point. And I was going to be the person who was basically on this planet, going to correlate all this information that I had gotten together. And I was going to come up with the definitive frequencies for different things, the, de- right. the definitive tones. The trouble was that you would have Dr. X using a particular set of frequencies for one organ, and Dr. Y would be using a completely different set of frequencies for the same organ. You would have spiritual master A using a particular mantra 
for a particular chakra and spiritual master B using a different mantra for the same chakra or the same mantra for a different chakra. And I thought, you know, stepping back, I'm in front of a computer that's using a DOS operating system. It's a darkened screen with amber letters. And this cursor is flashing on and off, kind of gold amber against a dark screen, waiting for me to write something. And instead, I've got my head in my hands. I'm rocking back and forth going, how can this be? How can this be? This doesn't make any sense. They don't correlate with each other. This doesn't make any sense. How can this be? And this inner voice says to me, it is not only the frequency of the sound that creates its effect. It is also the intention of the person making and receiving the sound. And I write down frequency plus intent equals healing. I'm going to repeat that again for anyone who's Mm. listening. Frequency plus intent equals healing. That means the frequency, the vibration, the number of cycles per second, but it's a metaphor for any sort of sound. It can be a tone, it can be X, Y, or Z, but it's the sound. Plus the intent is the consciousness that is encoded on the sound creates the outcome, which for me was healing or what I was looking for. Frequency plus intent equals healing. And back then, oh my goodness gracious, I was uh, hobnobbing at the time or trying to hobnob with the uh, scientific and medical communities, doctors and scientists. And I'd be invited to these conferences to talk about sound. And I say to this one doctor, hey, have you ever thought of the importance of intentionality? And they would look at me like I was a man from another planet, which I well may be. But, you know, at the same time, it was like, oh, my goodness gracious, this is so difficult. Nobody is getting the importance of intention. And then you have people, as the years progressed, you have people like Wayne Dyer, who wrote a book on the power of intention. You have a fellow by the name of Masuro Emoto, who's doing these incredible Mm -hmm. uh, photographs of water crystals that have been exposed to different intentionalities and different frequencies taking on different like structures, if you like. You have people like Bruce Lipton doing the biology of uh, belief. You have people like Joe Dispenza who's talking about I am the placebo, how or how the placebo, which used to be just thought of as a phenomena of, you know, oh, you know, you give somebody a sugar pill and it'll have a, a certain outcome. But the reality is it shows the mind-body connection. And we have such a powerful mind-body connection. So with that in mind, I'm first going to say I'm going to... Ju- I jump around sometimes, but I do bring it back. If you understand the importance Mm -hmm. of intentionality, that first and foremost, we can do healing with even the conversational voice. Mm -hmm. If you project kindness, love, compassion onto your voice, the other person will pick it up and it can be healing. And we can do the opposite as well. And too many times we do the opposite as well. And I'm also going to, you know, suggest to you that sometimes the words themselves don't do it. Have you ever been to a party and somebody says, oh, love, lovely to see you. And you feel like you've been psychically slimed 
because they're you know yeah, they're not true. really happy and the words may have been one thing but the intention was very very different so first and foremost i say to people let's be conscious in our speech in our conversation because mm. that's so very very important we were talking about music which is then a next level of basically encoding you know intentionality on and that's hugely powerful and i think rather than getting into a particular genre of music, which is what I got into when I basically was on stage and I saw that the music that I was creating was not necessarily one of uh, positivity. Mm -hmm. I said, well, rock and roll is bad. And it was so interesting because at that time I, that I was involved, I would be talking to different people and they would want me to say that rock and roll is bad. And I said, hmm, maybe, maybe. And then I came to that awareness of intentionality and I realized that it wasn't the genre. It wasn't the type of music, but the energy that was encoded on it. You couldn't say rock and roll was right. bad because, by gosh, by golly, some of the most light-filled uh, music, and in the end, the love you take is equal to the love you make. Oh, my goodness. All you need is love. Right. And the singing that, you know, the Beatles, among other things, really understood that. And you know, we now see that this actually affects not only our energy field, but the molecular structure of the water and all sorts of things. And love, from my, uh, my understanding, is not a frequency. Uh, there's become a real following that certain frequencies, and I'm going to acknowledge that I brought down these frequencies, but I never brought them down <laughs> to being decoded as a frequency of love. Because they're not. Because if you believe that there's a frequency of love, then you would have to think that a mother would have to basically look at a guitar tuner and see what note she's singing when she's sounding a lullaby to her, to her baby, to her infant. And that's mm -hmm. just incorrect. That's, right. that, that's not the way it is. So people who believe that there's a frequency of love. Now, love is an emotion. It's a feeling. It's very, very different. That is, you know, it can be encoded on a sound, but the sound unto itself without the energy is not mm -hmm. the same thing. Very, very true. It totally makes sense that some people, like you, like you pointed out, might think like the individual or the genre is what is bad. But at the end of the day, it's the intention behind it. Rock can be healing, rap can be healing, hip hop can be healing, but it's the intention and the and the approach that the singer, the creator, uses behind the music as. There are a lot of emerging artists nowadays that are using healing sounds, healing vibrations with the right, right intention, and the audience can feel it. That's that's really, really fascinating. Talk to us about how do tuning forks help, and what is the Pythagorean or Pythagorean Well, fork? I just happen to have Pythagorean tuning forks right here. And um, Great. <laughs> these actually come from a very dear friend of mine who was one of the great pioneers of sound healing named Dr. John Boyu. And uh, I'd like to suggest that he was one of my great teachers along with Sarah Benson. We're still really good friends and he's out there teaching. So I love it. So you're, you know, you're never too old to teach sound healing. And these tuning forks, mm -hmm. I'd like to suggest that one of the really important aspects of sound, which brings us to harmonics, but I'm not going to get there quite yet, is the fact that yeah. single <laughs> tones are, you know, are not 
really are most, you know, there's no such thing as a single tone. Even this tuning fork is actually generating these multiple tones called harmonics. But really the true power comes when you basically do two sounds that are, if you like, in sacred relationship with each other. This creates a field that is, if you like, these are, these are field generators. So just as an example, I'll hit this. Lovely sound. I could hit the other, but instead I'm going to hit these both together. Can you feel the field that's being created? And what this is doing mm -hmm. as we're listening is it actually is balancing the left and right hemispheres of the brain. And it, this interval, this is called a Pythagorean fifth. It was said to have been discovered by the ancient Greek philosopher Pythagoras. And um, mm -hmm. these are actually the first two separate and different harmonics that are created when a string ha uh, is plucked or whatnot, but Pythagoras, who existed in the sixth century BC Greece, is not only the father of geometry, it's also the father of music theory and the understanding how different sort of notes can work with each other. And he's said to have been one of the first people who basically worked and utilized sound as a healing modality. But here's this. Uh, Pythagoras was said to have gotten his knowledge from ancient Egypt and brought it back to Greece. Mm. So once again, the ancient Egyptians, and in fact, the second part of that quote from the New York Times, sound shaped in a dazzling tool can make, break, or rearrange molecular structure and levitate objects. Now they're dealing with, at that one, ultrasound, sound in the high up range of uh, beyond our level of he hearing, but at the same time, mm -hmm. there is this whole aspect of using, the, the field is called acoustic levitation, believe it or not. And that seems right. to be one of the uh, major ways that people theorize that a lot of the large stones in different parts of this globe got moved from one place to another by, quote, primitive people. And talking <laughs> about this in the 1930s, there was actually a fellow in Florida who built something called the Coral Castle. And he was said to have mm -hmm. basically uh, understood how to use acoustic levitation. And I was um, on a radio show, very, very large radio show uh, throughout the world, that was going on and we were talking about that and i said if i knew the secret of acoustic levitation i wouldn't tell that to other people because i think most people right. don't have the awareness of the consciousness how to use this stuff properly we're, we're children we're That's children true. we'll probably drop drop stones in each other like... <laughs> <laughs> yeah 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 and i don't blame him also i mean maybe he read about what happened to nikola tesla who learned about the secrets of how to harness uh you know wireless yeah. electricity and all of a sudden 
establishment started attacking him and went against him and these days people think it's a conspiracy but it's true he did discover all these different yeah, technologies I, i've been right? a student of tesla's for many decades and he's a really interesting right. critter and i uh you know i like him a whole lot and um yes it, it it's a really interesting phenomena in terms of uh getting technologies that can totally reshift and reshape the planet and how there are mm. shall we say forces that oftentimes will not want that to manifest because they get in the ways of uh, business and in fact even in terms of the world world of sound uh, which yeah. is slowly getting out, out there but for a while there were shall we say forces that were trying to keep it uh, from um, you know getting into mainstream things and there are phenomena called binaural beats where you can use slightly altered frequencies one going into one ear and one going into the other and the difference between the two frequencies right. will cause the predominant lobes of the brain to begin to entrain there and there was a time when uh, there were certain uh, government agencies that were raiding different people's places and seizing these binaural beats blessed be that didn't happen but that was just right. one effect and that's actually one of the aspects of why i focus most heavily on using the voice number 1 interesting doesn't require electricity number or or batteries number 2 the user's manual is relatively uh, uh, easy to learn number 3 it's free but number 4 they can't take that away they you know it's a technology that you've got that cannot be removed. Uh you know, without electricity, a lot of these toys will not work and while these tuning forks are great, you know, blessed be these tuning forks and as I'm using them, one of the important things when you're using tuning forks is also to realize in ancient Egypt they had the ankh, which was a basically an object and if you like these tuning forks are very much like that. They are if you like vibrational resonators that allow us to create a field and you know properly using this and this is just a demonstration for anybody who's watching this is would be the way that you use it normally which is basically you do cross lateralization bring it around your field it's just incredible you know uh these are wonderful tools and wonderful toys humans like toys yes 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 we do humans love, love toys. toys and i think <laughs> depending on the toy that we have it can really accelerate our consciousness as well whether we're talking about a toy being uh, a wheel or we're talking about the toy being artificial intelligence yeah. which now people are enjoying but i'm sure it has some detrimental effects if it goes unchecked right in uh, in the future i i, I, <laughs> I had the pleasure of being in conversation with what is it uh, chatbot ai or whatever a few weeks ago yeah, and yeah, yeah. i am yeah. probably one of the few people i actually <laughs> i was uh, trying trying to just see where it was at it was it was, it was uh, early in the morning and um i was trying to do some yeah. teaching with it uh, and getting back and i said okay uh give me a quote from nikola tesla on the power of sound to heal the planet because as you know that's one of my major pur purposes is using now group collective sound uh right. and it actually crashed the program <laughs> honest to goodness yeah. i noticed that 
<laughs> I've noticed that too. You know, if you ask uh, questions which are like esoteric or, you know, secret or not that mainstream, it's going to just crash. It's going to tell you that this is not true right. or, you know, it it does have some kind of opinion or oh, slant. I got so an error, 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 error. I mean, literally, I got an error message. I said, <laughs> okay. okay, let's go somewhere right. easier. But um, once again, using the voice, I, I, I want to get back, of course, to the question that you asked before, which were, what are harmonics? Because, of course, my mm -hmm. book, Healing Sounds, is subtitled The Power of Harmonics. And it's mm -hmm. had its 30th anniversary release. Uh, a couple of years ago, I was meditating, and an inner voice said, hey, next year, is going to be the 30th anniversary release of Healing Sounds. Let, while it had never gone out of print, and has always been considered a classic, let's give it a new, if you like, uh, charge of uh, chi and put it out as a new form. And the reason right. for this is that a lot of the things in the book have become really solidified in the field of sound healing, including my understanding of how, about how sound could be used to heal. And I haven't actually shared that with you. I'm going to do that in a second, but I, you know, and also the importance of intentionality that, you know, that's really right. begun to get locked in. But the concept of harmonics is still not made it into really mainstream consciousness. And I'm just going to jump for one second to how mm -hmm. does sound heal? And it's very, very simple. We talked about everything mm -hmm. being in a state of vibration, the electrons moving around the nucleus in an atom, everything being sound. This includes our body, every organ, every bone, every tissue, every part of our body is in a state of vibration. And when we are in, uh, feeling good, we say we're in sound health. Okay, and we're mm -hmm. like this Can orchestra that? that is playing the overall suite of the self. But what happens if the second violin player loses their sheet music? They begin to play out of tune, out of harmony. Pretty soon the entire string section sounds off. Pretty soon the entire orchestra sounds off. And this is akin to a part of our body vibrating out of its normal, healthy, resonant frequency. It's vibrating out of ease, out of harmony. We say it is diseased. And the basic, very simple principle of using sound as a healing modality is simply to give this string player back their sheet music. Basically, to restore the correct harmonic resonance to the part of the body that's vibrating out of ease, out of harmony. And this is the basis of not only sound healing, it is the basis of almost all alternative therapies, including chiropractor, acupuncture, aromatherapy, chromotherapy, which is light, and all these different, I mean, all these modalities use that as a basic phenomena. And so it's very simple, and yet it's very important. Now, cutting back to harmonics, but I wanted to get that to you. Do you have anything to say before we jump into the subject of harmonics? No, as you were sort of, as you're sharing, uh, you know, this information uh, with me and with all of our listeners, um, I can't help but you know, relate to an experience I had when I sort of got started in my career at Bose in Framingham, Massachusetts. 
you know, there's this uh, top secret research facility, uh, you know, where they test a lot of the speakers, uh, you know, and you need to wear these noise cancellation headphones if you enter this place. And I noticed that they had speakers of all shapes and sizes. And, you know, just the vibrations were were literally shaking my whole body, especially every, you know, part of my garment. And that, you know, that sort of planted a seed in my mind that are we fully utilizing the capacity and capability of sound in modern day life? So, you know, the, you know what you're sharing sort of brought back yeah. memories you to me You just reminded well. me, okay, so Bose in Framingham. I don't know if you were there, yeah. you're probably too young, but there used to be a device that was called the Standing Wave. And it was a thing about Yo Big and it would created the most incredible, it was a portable at the time cassette player, but it created yeah. the most yeah. incredible loud volumes that were just fabulous. And I'm actually the person responsible for going there and saying, hey, when this thing shuts off, the radio clicks on and, um, you know, I'm in a state of deep meditation. I want to hear the, you know, the sound of the radio. So they installed a switch yeah. on the version that I had that turned it off. But then the next, right. the next time they got around to producing it, it was fixed. So I love <laughs> Bose. Bose is great. But this reminds <laughs> me of the story of a fellow by the name of Professor Gauveau from France <laughs> in the 1960s, right. who was interested in investigating the sounds of the penny whistle. So he built a giant six-foot pneumatically driven penny whistle and his laboratory mm -hmm. assistants turned it on and the next morning they found the laboratory assistants in the laboratory and they had their internal organs exploded through the sound so i just want to suggest that anything that can be used positively if you work with too much mm. amplification particularly that's going to cause, and you know, because the phenomena of resonance is that you get the correct vibrations of a particular object and you yeah. set it into resonance, and that could be great for healing. It shakes stuff up, mm -hmm. it moves stuff. Oftentimes, imbalanced energy is due to stuck energy. So if you begin to vibrate it and massage it a little bit, it'll move, it'll become unstuck. But you take it too far, and it's like Joshua and the walls of Jericho causing the walls to come tumbling down. Right. So once again, mm -hmm. uh, a singer can literally take a glass and, you know, break it with their voice. And there's a great Tesla story about the fact that he uh, created, if you like, uh, he found the resonance of the, all right, bottom line, I jumped ahead bottom line was that he uh, basically had found the resonance of these uh, steel girders and used a little device that was perhaps about as big as this, not much bigger, attached it to a girder and walked away. And a few hours later, the police are knocking on his door because literally the girder has gotten uh, into such resonance that the entire neighborhood is shaking and beginning to collapse. And uh, mm. he basically, the story goes that he destroyed that uh, thing and, you know, the police, you know, went away and left him alone. But it still is an example of how sound 
can be used detrimentally. Yeah, that's definitely very, very important and profound to think about. Um, and as you brought the example of Nikola Tesla, I mean, his hypothesis or his intention and vision was to provide free energy uh, to the entire mm -hmm. world, right? Mm -hmm. Because right now we are limited in that sense. Each and every problem that we face as humanity, as countries and civilizations can be indirectly or directly tied to our need for more energy, uh, sustainably and free, ideally. So I was sitting with a friend just about two days back. We were at dinner and talking about maybe a little bit of philosophy and hypothetical situations. And I asked him, hypothetically, if we were in a world where energy is free, right now, the way we differentiate between one human being and another is based on how much resources, you know, money, or, you know, in general, right, in society, that's how we differentiate. In, an, in a world where energy is free and accessible, do you think it would be a just society? Do you think as human consciousness, we are ready for a world where we have free access to energy? What, what do you think? Three things Because <laughs> till mind, date, yeah. we have, everything is driven by ego, right? And I think, I know things are changing, but do you think we are ready for, you know, well, a society there, so much, with and free and just I access? I will talk about harmonics, <laughs> but this is ultimately, and harmonics are really important, but this is, I just have to go here for a second. Uh, getting back to Tesla, yeah. there's a great movie called yeah. the, I think, The Mystery of Nikolai Tesla that was done in the 1980s. And it's great. The guy looks mm -hmm. just like Tesla, number one. The guy playing J.P. Morgan is played by Orson Welles, who is a great film director and actor from the United States. And I'll never forget a sequence mm -hmm. where, at some point, he has a face down with Tesla after they have... Uh, done the Wycliffe uh, Laboratories thing. And he goes, Mr. Tesla, I understand now finally what all this wireless uh, energy is. You want to create a free form of energy. He says, what's going to happen to all of us who basically make our money from, you know, coal and whatnot? You know, forget it. And he stops the funding. And that's basically very close to what happened. But bottom line mm -hmm. is, okay, I'm going to jump ahead. We're doing a phenomena called World Sound Healing Day on February 14th. Mm -hmm. And this mm -hmm. is where people throughout the planet will basically work with intentionalized sound to shift and change the vibrations of the planet. I think the only way we are going to get out of the rut that we are in right now is by people getting into a higher level of consciousness, realizing we are all one. We are all, uh, you know, we are different, but we are all one massive, uh, you know, collective consciousness and that we have to be nice mm -hmm. to each other and compassionate to each other. And uh, so talking about, could we uh, get along uh, with a free energy? Yes. Star Trek is a great example of that. They are living in a, you know, in a reality where there's not only free energy, but you know, money uh, is not, not really a thing, and people serve the collective good by going into whatever they need. And that's a really advanced, advanced show. Um, mm -hmm. See, there's so many, these sound is um, such an extraordinary thing. I do want to get into harmonics, but I want to just also uh -huh. briefly say that. There's something called heart-brain coherence, which is when our heart yeah. and our brain 
get synchronized together. They get entrained together. They work together. And this is done basically through taking some nice deep breaths. It's very simple. Taking some nice deep breaths and then just being in gratitude and visualizing something you feel good about. It's that simple. That creates this heart-brain coherence. And then what happens is that our electromagnetic field gets amplified 50 times, 500 times, maybe some even speculate 5,000 times greater. But if you add the element of sound to that, you make it even Mm -hmm. greater. This is why the different prayers on our planet are vocalized. They're whispered, chanted, spoken, or sung, but they are vocalized. This is because sound amplifies the power of prayer. Mm -hmm. It helps focus our intention of what we're doing and helps amplify it. So I say that if we are working with compassion and kindness, one of the great, you know, being of service is perhaps the best thing that we can do for ourselves, helping other people. We don't realize that. It has become such a, you know, um, ego-oriented and the, the phenomena of greed, the phenomena of power has gotten so much in the way. And yet you find oftentimes, right. and I've spoken to some well-known people who really understand this, and the fact is there's some very, very rich and powerful people who at their core are extremely unhappy and really pursuing other things <laughs> Because ultimately, there's a whole, you know, once our, if you like, needs are met, whether it's food or clothing or whatnot, you don't need more. We've been taught, and this is a whole wrap, because I'm I'm not going to get into, but there is a manipulation that is going on, particularly now, of consciousness to convince us that if we have more product, if we have more things, if it glitters goals and we have it, we'll be happy. We might be momentarily Mm -hmm. happy, but most of the great mystics will tell you that the great thing is to have non-attachment to physical things and non-attachment to outcome. Just be in the flow and be, if you like, in the uh, zen of it and you'll be all set. I have still not talked about Mm -hmm. what harmonics are yet, but these are just so (laughs) many different things because harmonics are a piece of the whole puzzle. What harmonics are is basically, harmonics are the mystical aspect of sound. They are, Mm -hmm. if you like, a stairway to heaven. Whenever we hear a sound that is naturally created, so, and you can do this in a laboratory, but you can't do it in nature. Even these tuning forks are not just creating a single frequency. We are actually hearing, whenever we hear sound, a composite of different frequencies that are called harmonics. And these harmonics are geometric multiples of what is called the fundamental frequency. And this is something that Pythagoras became aware of. So he's really sort of the father of harmonics. And harmonics are, if you like, an easy thing to think about. They are the color of sound. Okay? And they're responsible for what is called the timbre or the tone color of sound. And indeed, harmonics 
different harmonics that blend together create the tone color. And it's a little bit like holding a prism up to white light mm. and seeing the whole band of the electromagnetic spectrum, red, orange, yellow, green, blue, indigo, violet, just as molecules are the building block of matter. Harmonics are the building blocks of sound. And right. every time we make a sound, we have this complex series of mathematically related frequencies that occur. But different instruments and our voices generate different specific harmonics that are most pronounced. And there, there's a technical term for this. It's called the formants, F-O-R-M-A-N-T-S. And the formants are the loudest harmonics in, uh, that occur. And they did a laboratory experiment where they took the harmonics away from an oboe a piano, and a violin. And you couldn't tell them apart. Mm -hmm. And in fact, harmonics are why each of our voices is different. Each of our voices is as unique as our fingerprint. Right. Now that's huge. So once again, mm -hmm. the color of sound, the color of sound. I was talking to a friend of mine who's a very well-known trance channel okay and he was talking the being that he was uh he channels was talking about the fact that new colors were going to be manifesting on the planet i said ah blessed be and i hope that the colors of sound will finally <laughs> manifest so that people get out of thinking about single tone frequencies because it's much more complex than that that is fascinating because the way that I relate to harmonics and I love the words that you used and the imagery that you conjured, you know, the mysticalness, the magicalness of sound and how it is the color of sound. I remember like, uh, and you used the word stairway to heaven as well, because I remember, you know, growing up and learning to play the guitar and playing all these different songs, stairway ah. to heaven, nothing else matters. And somebody, one of my friends taught me how to, you know, there are two ways in which you can strum a guitar. You can strum it once. But if you put your finger away ever so lightly on the string, it creates a harmonic, isn't it? That's what he had told me. Like a very, you know, light, subtle sound. <laughs> so back in 19, probably 86, I'm at this gigantic conference in Washington, D.C. called Healing in Our yeah. Times. And there's a okay. man by the name of Pir Vilayat Khan, who's head of the Sufi order in the West. And he is lecturing mm -hmm. on healing with sound. And I'm right. jumping up and down trying to get him to answer my question at the end. And he won't take my question. And finally, it's over. And I rush up and there's a crowd of people. And I make my way through and make my way through him. And I said, Pierre Vlayat, is there a relationship between sound and the chakras? Mm -hmm. He says, yes, I believe there is. I believe that the true power of healing with sound is in harmonics. I said, oh, thank you, thank you. And I walked out yeah. and I thought maybe, I didn't know a thing about what harmonics were and I thought he was telling me maybe if I tuned my guitar, it would be healing. <laughs> but then I walked into the, right. uh, the bookstore that was associated with this uh, thing and I just w w looked down and there was a tape called Harmonic Choir. I picked it up, 
I put mm -hmm. I had a little uh, cassette player with me, a little Walkman. I listened to it in this crowded hotel lobby. Went out of my body, came back, and I said, "Wow, this this harmonic singing is uh, is something else." And therefore, I you know the book Healing Sounds came out of it. But just yes, indeed, of course, uh, you just you just reminded me, you know, tuning a uh, guitar with harmonics. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, 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 yeah. So I wanted to ask you, because a while back you sort of implied that the Greeks were in contact with the Egyptians and got some of their ancient wisdom. And I heard also that the Egyptians in turn were connected with the Atlanteans. What are your thoughts on the uh, civilization of Atlantis? Do you think that there was a civilization? Do you think that the Egyptians were in fact in contact? Now, I know you can talk about perhaps a topic like this for hours yeah, together, I can. but just an overview. <laughs> I remember Atlantis and I can tell you a whole lot, okay. but uh, I think that, um, I don't know, do you have a question about that? Yeah, my question is, firstly, was there an Atlantis? The obvious question. And second, were the Egyptians, did the Egyptians receive esoteric science and technology from the Atlanteans? Suppose, suppose I, was there some I kind of... say that the Egyptians got it from Atlantis and the Hawaiians and the uh, Pacific Islanders got it from Lemuria. Ah, and uh, you know, once again, there was a wonderful scientist by the name of Marcel Vogel, who I write about in my book Healing Sounds, because I told, because I okay. basically uh, communicated with him. He's the fellow who invented most of the major components of color TV, and he also was the person responsible for making the uh, coding on the disk drive of, um, you know, computer uh, disk drive coding. And he then got into mm -hmm. studying crystals. And as he got into studying mm -hmm. crystals, he basically um, had a lot of, shall we say, past lifetime memories of Atlantis. And so I talked to him about the fact that I had I discovered a technique where you could use sound into a crystal and with the harmonics, different crystals would resonate to different harmonics wow. way cool mm -hmm. so crystals are an amazing phenomena that can be utilized greatly with sound and um atlantis was probably a place that well may have sunk beneath the uh the ocean or what or wherever because it well may have been that the technology got out of hand right because just because just because we can create the technology doesn't always mean we have the consciousness to be able to use it. Mm -hmm. That's that's fascinating. This time check, how many minutes more do you have? Because I know you want to go for dinner as well. I'm right? having a good time, my friend. <laughs> you tell me. Cause... <laughs> okay. <laughs> okay, great. I just wanted to, because I'm having a great time as well, because, you know, it's, uh, it's some fascinating conversation over here. But... I've heard that you had Atlantis and then you have Lemuria and for some reason or the other, both these civilizations sort of had a war of epic don't proportions. Know, don't Is that know true? if that's so much. I think Lemuria probably preceded Atlantis and uh, it well oh. may have been, as I think about it, that the uh, 
Wow, I have not thought about this, but put this together. But there's a guy by the name of Graham Hancock, who you probably have heard of, who <laughs> talks about a great deluge yeah. uh, occurring around uh, 10, 11, 12,000 BC. And I think that's about the time that Atlantis went down. So I think things are interrelated. Right. I think Atlantis probably came later. Now, I've probably destroyed my entire reputation of uh, being a scientist working with sound. These are just speculations <laughs> on my part, my friends, and I don't know that uh, any, yeah. any of this is true any more than um, perhaps there are high civilizations that come from other planets that know about sound, know about vibration, know about crystals as well. Mm. That is amazing. Now, I, I love that. And I'm sure our listeners can feel the uh, energy as well as we are talking about some really powerful things. Atlantis, Egyptians, we're talking about harmonics. Now, another word that often, at least to me, is a very powerful word that I do not know too much about. What is a Merkaba? <laughs> and in the context of sound healing, <laughs> what exactly is it? Is it a portal? Is it something that we can create through sound I think and through vibrations? Portal is a great term. <laughs> uh, I have a recording called right. Merkaba of Sound that uh, works okay. off of the Phi relationship because that creates a spiral relationship. The word Merkaba mm -hmm. has two sources. One is from the ancient Hebraic, which, where it means that a chariot that will take you to other planes of consciousness. And uh, in the mm -hmm. Egyptian tradition, it has a slightly different meaning, but still similar. The idea that these are mm -hmm. indeed, you know, portals. What a great idea, portal. Getting back to World Sound Healing Day, we have something called the events portal that people, you know, portals mm -hmm. now come into our consciousness <laughs> and we, we, we love it because, it you know, sound is such a great tool traveling sound and intentionality sound and consciousness put them together and we're probably going to be able to move to whatever realm we want as soon as we really get that as a uh, way of being to be able to travel with our consciousness i think we can transcend speeds of light I think thought is everything. The universe is everything. And indeed, getting back to mainstream, we can, of course, just learn to use our own sounds. I'm going to bring this, wow. Uh, I'm really getting the hit to bring this now. If anyone is still uh, listening and doesn't think that this is totally out there, I'm going to bring this down with bringing it back to the uh, concept of humming. Mm. because I work with humming is an aspect that is part of harmonics and it is a great beginning because my wife Andy and I about five or six years ago maybe it's a little more now time goes so uh, very very quickly you know we you know I've been working with sound and sound on the chakras and sound this and that for so very very long but for a lot of people they have difficulty working and continuing their practice with sound because they judge their voice so much. Mm -hmm. You know, whether it's American Idol or whatnot, we've just really listened to stuff. Oh, is this in tune? Is this out of tune? I don't have a very good voice. We're so judgmental about the voice. So we said, okay, what 
is the one sound that we can do mm -hmm. that we're not judgmental about. And we turn to each other and we hmm, you know, we start humming. He said the hum. And we then wrote this book called The Humming Effect, which is a bestseller and won the uh, Visionary Award uh, for um, Best Health Book. And the thing about humming is, is it's a sound that everybody can, everybody can make. Children make it. Babies make mm -hmm. it. The elderly make it. We hum when we're happy. So we said, okay, we want to write a book on humming. Who's going to take a book on humming seriously? Well, we <laughs> said, you know, if we make the first chapter nothing more or less than peer-reviewed information on the power of the hum, maybe people do it. And that's what the humming effect actually uh, does. So I'm going to tell you some of the physiological benefits of just doing, we call it conscious humming. And what conscious mm -hmm. humming is, is taking some nice deep breaths and then just humming on a tone that is comfortable to you and your sort of speaking voice. So I'll just give you an example. And you do this four or five times and you will find that you're very blissed out, very high, and that uh, you realize there's a power in sound, and perhaps we'll do this in a minute, but let me tell you about the physiological benefits. Yeah. First of all, you get a reduction of heart rate and respiration. So for anybody who's stressed out, it's so easy. Mm -hmm. it's, and it's also a lot more powerful than simply doing deep breathing. Deep breathing is wonderful. If you don't deep breathe uh, before humming, not so much. You know, it's like humming zippity doo dah when you're driving. But if you take some nice deep breaths, and then you do that, mm, so you get the lowering of heart rate and respiration. You get the release of melatonin. Get the release of oxytocin, the trust hormone. You get the release of endorphins, those really feel good, um, you know, um, you know, self-created uh, opiate-type things. And you get the release of nitric oxide, which is a vasodilator. A lot of people paying attention to nitric oxide in the health field. Brilliant. Mm -hmm. Nitric oxide in the health field. It's a vasodilator. allows the blood to go more easily through your body, carrying oxygen and all that stuff. So you get the oxygenation of uh, the cells with that. But also, and this is very cool, they found that nitric oxide, besides being a vasodilator, is also an antiviral agent. Mm -hmm. So that if you have any of those nasty critters that are lodging in your nasal cavity and you hum about four times nasally, you get... 15 times the amount of nitric oxide. That's incredibly therapeutic. So for anybody listening there who's feeling a little off, try humming. I'm sure our listeners will try out some humming as well, whether they are 
in transit in a bus right now, whether they are in a library or maybe at home, they are going to try out some humming because it is powerful. I wanted to ask you, Jonathan, now, I think any discussion about sound cannot be complete without the exploration of how the ancient Tibetans contributed to the world uh, and the science of sound. And I know that behind you, there are some images which seem to be from Tibet. I might be wrong. Yes, sir. Uh, so could you talk to a little bit? Okay, great, great. So could you talk to us a little bit about maybe, you know, what, what the, the, the ancient, uh, you know, secrets of sound from Tibet or what they have contributed or what one can learn uh, from from, well, from we, we uh, do Tibetan have a chapter in Healing Sounds called Tantric Harmonics that is all about the Tibetan deep voice. Okay. Which, uh, which is a story unto itself. Uh, what am I allowed to reveal on this? Uh, <laughs> I'm laughing. <laughs> you know, it's just, I, I have a very deep resonance with the Tibetans. And in fact, mm -hmm. uh, uh, one of the probably one of the great chant masters in the Tibetan tradition is a dear uh, sort of a, a adopted family member of ours, Lama Tashi, that, that we did Tibetan master chants. Right. Um, and they have great knowledge of, uh, you know, the mantras to resonate the chakras and bring in different levels of consciousness and bring in different beings. And I'm also going to acknowledge, though, that the Hindu tradition has so many wonderful mantras that are, you know, in existence there. And actually on a level, I'm finding that the more you investigate these different, you can find differences in the different traditions, but maybe they're all very, very much alike. One of my favorite uh, people is a fellow by the name of Swami Satchidananda who was the Woodstock guru. And my wife and I would teach at his ashram in Virginia. And one day we were there and I picked up a copy of his translation of Pantanjali's Yoga Sutras. And now this is mm -hmm. Goldman's translation of Sutra 1.27. It's my sort of synthesis. The original sound of creation was pranava, the humming of prana. They had to give it a name, so they called it Om. So that the Om sound literally came from the mm. And in fact, a lot of the research that has been done with the uh, hum actually was done with the Om, and then they just translated that. So I just want to honor all these different, you know, there, there's this wonderful lotus temple that looks like the Taj Mahal in Swami Satchinanda's ashram. Wow. And many truths, one source. And I like Satchinanda so much because he is the guru who opened up Woodstock. And I'm a child of the Woodstock nation. And there I saw how <laughs> half a million or more people chanting together could create a field that at least created Woodstock as being a totally protected thing. It, you know, it could have been so chaotic, mm -hmm. but it wasn't. And I'm convinced that uh, Swami Satchidananda's having us all chant together 
And this is one of the things, if you like, that helped initiate the concept of using World Sound Healing Day and having us as a collective consciousness make sacred sound to try to shift the consciousness and the vibrations of the different sentient beings on the planet. Amazing. So firstly, thank you, Jonathan, for uh, talking to us about so many different aspects of sound, including talking to us about your origin story of how you got into sound and the decisions that sort of led one by one to where you are today. I'm sure that our listeners can also sort of relate to their life and how one thing has led to the other and they for some reason or the other are listening to this very episode right now it's special and i think that this is a sacred connection a sacred communion between the listener you uh, you and myself on this episode today for somebody listening right now and wants to somehow be in a state of bliss or be in a state of joy or be in a state of heightened consciousness throughout the day any advice Yes, and once again, it'll go back to, first of all, obviously we can use music for relaxation to put us in, and I've created a whole lot of different recordings that people utilize to alter their states of consciousness. Enough said on that. Uh, and you can go find that at our, at our website, uh, healingsounds.com, but you can also find it, you know, just uh, say, Siri, play me Jonathan Goldman, or, you know, so w- whether <laughs> it's, you know, Amazon or Spotify or you know iTunes or whatnot, you can find a lot of my stuff and that the those and there's many other types of music that can do it. But also, I'm going to suggest again and listen. If you got a minute or two, would you like to do some conscious humming with me to conclude this? Yeah, you ready? Let's okay. do it. So yeah, because this is of course uh, whatever. I don't know if our tones will go, but just the idea is taking a couple of nice deep breaths and then let's just hum three times. Check yourself out first, okay? Now let's take a couple of nice deep breaths. And now let's sound forth with the first of just three hums. Whatever note works for you. deep breath and if you're listening try it with us in silence for just a moment or two because it is in silence that the true frequency shifts occur the true changes to the body mind and spirit occur it is the silence that is the yin to the yang of sound so you got to be in silence after you've made the sound and then you come back and how do you feel how, how did that just three little hums 
I got a little buzz. It felt amazing. Yeah, it felt like a buzzy situation, and especially because it's about six thirty over here, it's it feels like a great way to settle down, wind down as somebody prepares to maybe dine or maybe go to sleep. Beautiful, <laughs> and just uh, like to suggest that if you did it for five minutes, just make sure if you hum for five minutes, and I recommend everybody get a humming practice. It'll literally, you need to make sure that when you get done, you allow five minutes more to just sit there and bathe in the bliss because that's when you'll get all sorts of information, not only releasing stress, but all sorts of contact with higher realms of consciousness. And it's so easy to basically get a humming practice. It doesn't cost anything. And it'll change your life. And you can then begin to the next level, get the humming effect, teach you how to do this. The next level is to then be able to encode intentionality onto the hum. Where do you want it to vibrate in your body, mind, and spirit? What do you want to achieve from this? So there you go, Action Tribe. If you enjoyed this episode, make sure you go on Google and search for Jonathan Goldman. I'm sure it's not going to be hard for you to find out more about his work, about his books, about his workshops, about his uh, creations that you would like to maybe try out so many different uh, downloads that he has available on his website as well. Make sure you check that out. We'll have the link in the show notes as well. A couple of more requests from you. If you liked this episode, make sure that you visit our website, my7chakras.com, my7chakras.com. Share this with a friend or a family. And most importantly, make sure that you hit subscribe, hit follow, or hit the plus button just to make sure that you are in the know and you are updated when we come out with future such episodes. Jonathan, thank you so much for coming on our show, talking to us about the healing, therapeutic, spiritual qualities of sound and taking us one step closer to a human revolution. Blessings. Thank you. We heal the planet. We heal ourselves. We heal ourselves. And we heal the planet. Thank you for listening to My 7 Chakras at my7chakras.com that is my s-e-v-e-n chakras.com Brain fog, insomnia, moodiness, weight gain. Maybe you think they're just part of getting older, but Midi Health understands that for women over 40, they can all connect to menopause. It's at the root of dozens of symptoms we experience, not just hot flashes. Midi clinicians are menopause experts offering safe, effective, FDA-approved solutions covered by insurance. 91% of Midi patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich, but you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.